It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills and Mike taking up until 7 o'clock today on this 13th day of May. 6.06 on the clock and currently 66 degrees and sunny outside here in Athens, Ohio. Once again, it's a sports fan presented by JK Contracting. And always appreciate you listening in. And our phone lines will be opened up shortly after the show. But to lead things off, figured Reds, Rockies, who's the biggest Rocky fan I know. And not only is he a fan, but he is now a part of the Locked On Podcast Network on Locked On Rockies. Welcome into the program, Paul Holden, a podcast host, radio station, a former employee. But, Paul, it's good to have you on the program. How are you? I'm excited to be here. Hey, I'm, I still work for you you guys over there. I still make you some commercials and, of course, Groovy Soup. But I'm super excited. This is the first time I've ever been on the sports fan, though. Well, I think you were hosting the afternoon drive one day on WXTQ, and you kind of just popped your head in for some kind of Rockies thing. Your voice has been on here, but I don't think we've actually had you on as a, as a uh, you know, talent yet before. That's true. That's true. I, yeah, I'm sure I popped in every, every once in a while over there. Yeah, and, you know, it's a, a big series for the, the Rockies and the Reds, right? I mean, the Reds are looking, you know, pretty good so far, pitching if it's there, hitting if it's there. Rockies have been up and down this season. Uh, but before we even get into the game, right, I, I'm just curious as for your reaction, what happened in the stands last night because it was a, a Padres fan who comes over and clocks this Rockies fan uh, in, in the stadium, and it just comes out of nowhere. Um, but I, I saw that video earlier today, and I had to ask you about it because, I mean, again, you're a Rockies fan. I'm sure you feel for that guy. But he got uh, you know knocked out with one hit to this random Padres guy. I, I have no idea what provoked it or what happened. I mean, do you know anything more about it? No, I didn't even I didn't even hear anything about it last night during the game. I, I just saw it uh, on on Twitter today, and it uh, <laughs> just seemed like that that Padres fan had had enough and <laughs> just walked up and I mean knocked that guy clean clean out I mean he he that was a shot he took in the jaw there I I, uh, I have no idea and it's because you have to wonder like what what prompted something like that especially when those two teams and, and you know it's not really a hyper competitive part of the season it's already you know not going great for the Rockies you, you really got to wonder who who had the most beef with the other it seems like the Padres guy probably had enough to just waltz over there and just uh you know <laughs> Knock, knock the guy's clock off. But uh, no, I have no idea. And it was because the first video I saw of it had uh, the Rockies like commentary going over it, but with a very clear shot of it. And I, I mean, I listened to the game yesterday. I think most of it instead of watching it. So maybe I didn't catch that, but I feel like that would have been talked about more last night. I don't know how someone got this camera angle of, <laughs> of this guy. Right. And the broadcast was a part of it too, which led me to believe was the guy was a broadcaster. I don't know who it was at the time, but was a broadcaster just not looking at the screen to see that one guy just clearly knocked out another guy? No, that's or, what I'm, yeah, yeah, Drew Goodman's out there calling the game or going on, you know, it's whatever Drew Goodman was talking about at that <laughs> point. But, yeah, no, it, it was like, 
what? And I, I, and if I looked correct, if I'm, if I had my bearings right, it looked like it might have happened like around behind home plate, like kind of the premium seats. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just the funniest. That guy thing. ain't going back to Coors Field for a long time. You can, you can be assured of that. Now he might be welcome back uh, over with the uh, the Padres Stadium, but definitely not back in Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. And he got swarmed too. I mean, it was just a, a whole ordeal. And, and really, I heard nothing about it yesterday. It, we just oh, we wake up today and we see that on our phones. I'm like, huh? Yeah, I figured that would have been a big story yesterday, but I, I guess you know. Yeah, it just kind of flew under the radar. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. But um, right now with the Rockies, 13 and 24, uh, the Reds doing just a tad bit better. But with Colorado where they're at right now, of course it hurts you that your third baseman Nolan Arenado, uh, Nolan or Arenado, is out in St. Louis. Um, you know, you've seen your stars like Troy Tulowitzki move on, uh, obviously Arenado. Uh, but now the the focus kind of shifts, at least for Colorado in my view, to Blackman and Trevor Story. And for those two guys, um, you know, are they going to be here at the end of the season, do you think, in Colorado? Or will they be traded by time the trade deadline? I think... I think Trevor Story is not on the team at the deadline. Um, unfortunately, part of me wants to hope that they approach Trevor and they're very open with him about the transitional process they are in in the front office right now, and they say, hey, we know what just happened with the big deal and the franchise player we tried to get, but that person in charge of it and that person that was really clashing with Nolan is gone, and, you know, unceremoniously, which is uh, I've ranted enough about that this week. Um, but, uh, you know, so I think maybe that, that, that is an option. And, and I don't know if Trevor story necessarily, necessarily completely shies away from the Rockies approaching him with a major deal, but let's be real. Trevor story wants to play for a competitor. He deserves to play on a competitive team and he would make a lot of teams a lot better if they trade for him. You got to run the risk of the rental, you know, though, because Trevor story is a free agent at the end of the year. So you have to. I, you know, I was talking with Locked On Reds actually yesterday, and uh, we explored because MLB.com explored the Reds as a potential trade destination. I just don't see the the Reds be willing to give something up for a rental and then lose them like they did Trevor Bauer um, last year. So I don't know where Trevor Story goes. Good chance he ends on one of the big name teams uh, to to for a rental, but I think he's definitely going to explore free agency uh, and and make a ton of money because he deserves to. And when we saw what happens, uh, you know, if shortstops uh, can make it work in, in terms of getting paid, Charlie Blackman isn't going anywhere. I don't think. I don't think Charlie Blackman is necessarily a big trade piece unless you're looking for a DH. Um, something like that. He he's fine defensively. Uh, he's not really stellar defensively. You can, you can put him in right field. It's not fast, but he still swings a good bat. So maybe that would be the value, but I would see that Trevor story is the one that's gone. I, Charlie Blackman will finish his career in Colorado. And I, I think he's going to try and set as many Rockies records as he can. And, uh, I would say there's a good chance that that number gets retired. Yeah. I mean, a, a good possibility too, but you know, I, I bring up Blackman because again, he does swing a good bat and maybe he could add value to another team. And, uh, on this Colorado team, when you're looking to go through kind of a rebuild as what it is, right? I mean, it, it, this Colorado team has been good in the past, but you know, has come on some hard times a little bit. Um, still had a chance to turn around this season, but, uh, as I'm going through the lineup right here for the Colorado tonight, 
I noticed that Trevor Story is not in the lineup for tonight. Is he just getting a rest day, or is this something yes. where... Okay. So yeah, no, it's a scheduled today. rest day because of the doubleheader yesterday. He played in all 15 innings yesterday. So he, he, he is out solely for rest today. Yeah, because, again, you wonder. Um, the Cubs, I think, took off uh, Chris Bryant, and he exited from a game, and there was no reason for it. And, you know, of course, the trade rumors were swirling at that time, and no trade has come of it. Uh, but yeah, you just wonder when, when you see a star player like that come out of the game and uh, when you're talking yeah. about, yeah. I think it's too early for a Trevor Story trade. I think the storylines of the of the season need to form. I think he's definitely a deadline deal, trade like blockbuster type thing. But let's hope it's actually a blockbuster and the Rockies can get something in return because the, the Nolan trade just not enough for a player of Nolan's caliber. Like that, that trade is incredibly disappointing. But, uh, you know, Blackman in, is a good one to think, but I think the people you really need to be watching for, uh, if you're the Red, if Reds fans this weekend, and I guess yeah, weekend, uh, Rymel Tapia and Ryan McMahon are uh, you know two of the real bright spots of the Rockies right now. Uh, Jonathan Daza has been uh, really good this year too, surprisingly well, and uh, he's he's been uh, I think hot lately. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if uh, this. Potential, the potential future of the Rockies, uh, how, how they do, because I, I think this is a series that uh, either team kind of has a good chance of winning. It all, de- I, I think the Reds share a lot of similarities where it's like when they're on, they look good, but when they're off, they're off. And uh, I think Castillo is a prime example of that. Yeah, and exactly for, for Castillo, because you know, Castillo's coming into the season with a 6.42 ERA. Uh, you saw Sonny Gray grind out a couple of innings yesterday's ball game, and, and uh, the Reds were able to get the win. But, you know, their frontline starters have not been really there for them yet. It's really been the hitting that's been keeping them, you know, in these series and keeping them afloat all season long, uh, you know, at, at 500, at 17 and 17. But if not for the bats of Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos, uh, I don't know what this Reds team looks like because they've been carrying them all season long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, the Rockies are the same. I, I think it, it, they're just looking for their identity. And, and I think the, the, the really the big Achilles heel of the Rockies this year has been the bullpen. The bullpen has been atrocious. But they, there really just hasn't been a lot of leads that the Rockies are giving their bullpen and, and are really supporting some pretty good starts from their starters. We've had some real real bad ones, too, and some real tough uh, outings from Herman uh, Marquez this year. But uh the offense can be great. They just aren't always great. They score a lot of runs. Like when they score, they'll score a lot. But that consistency of lining it together and, and lining games up in a row where the offense is consistently performing has been a real struggle for the team. And, Paul, you know, I, I haven't really focused, you know, like you have on the Rockies all season long. You know, my focus kind of shifts to the New York Mets and, of course, the Reds covering it for the team. Uh, but for Colorado, taking a look, I mean, the run differential right now is at negative 32, right? And I see that as being the second worst in Major League Baseball right now, or make that third worst, uh, the worst being the uh, Detroit Tigers. Tigers. Yeah, Tigers with negative 64, uh, Pittsburgh at 42, and then and Colorado at 32. Um, but has what what does the pitching staff kind of look like for Colorado? Because it seems like, yes, the hitting has, has been there, but, you know, the pitching has not really come through yet for the Rockies yeah I mean that's it's it's that's really it the bullpen especially I mean it's just a lot of times uh, a prime example of this week Antonio Sensatella gets into gets through five gets into a little trouble in the sixth and that just leads to a six run sixth inning for the Padres there's just so many big innings for teams that 
it comes from starters maybe losing some gas, leaving with some people on. But then the bullpen just really hasn't done much and really struggled from our, our you know, closers to Daniel Bard, you know, comeback player of the year, unfortunately not having the same type of season so far. So I'd say the starters, they've had their, their lows, and I think the starters will get better and can be better. But the bullpen, just as we've known for a bit, is just, is just not good. It's just they're just not good, and, they, and they, they let up a lot of runs. And there's just so many feelings where the, you know, the game is close or maybe the Rockies have a slight lead or they're only down by one, something like that. And then the bullpen takes over, and it just feels like it's kind of a lost cause. So that's really the, the true thing. I just, they're, they're looking for someone that can, that can keep the game close in the you know after a starter comes in and and they're still looking for a lockdown guy at the end i think daniel bard if he can regain his 2020 composure then uh he will he can be a good he, he'll be a good closer but hard to tell i i just think uh they they're really they're really looking for a lot of things right now i think and hopefully like you said you mentioned it, it's a rebuild but they have to fully commit to a rebuild for it to actually be a rebuild because but in some people's eyes it's not a rebuild right now all right and yeah you hope i never like to use the word rebuild because that means a team isn't either intentionally tanking or you know trading away good pieces to try to uh you know get get other good pieces down the line but it's never fun as a fan uh to have to go through a rebuild per se um but if you call it a rebuild, if you call it, you know, just not being good baseball, uh, whatever you want to do. Um, but, you know, it should be an interesting series. I think that the, uh, you know, the Reds are still trying to find their way, even though they're at 500 right now. Can the pitching staff keep up? And, uh, you know, do the bats continue their hot hitting as it has uh, throughout, you know, most of the season, especially for Winker and Castellanos? Uh, but, Paul, really appreciate your time and uh, always good insight. Yeah on the Colorado Rockies. And, uh, of course, you can hear Paul Holden Sundays from 7 to 8 from Groovy Soup if you're interested in the local music showcase. And now as a baseball fan and as a, uh, a sports fan, uh, as you're on the sports fan, but uh, Locked On Rockies available on all your favorite streaming services. But Paul Holden of the Locked On Podcast and, of course, right here on WATH. Uh, always good to have you on, Paul. Thanks for coming. Hey, Hunter, thanks for having me. Go Rockies. And, uh, you know, I love, love our audience out there. If, I, if you recognize my voice, I shout-outs to you all. I miss everybody down there in Athens. Uh, it's always good to hear from you, too. But we'll send it to a quick break. Again, that's Paul Holden. You can hear him uh, specifically talk about the Rockies on the Locked On Rockies, available on all favorite streaming services. And, of course, yet again, Sundays from 7 to 8 on WXTQ for Groovy Soup. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's a sports fan on 970, 97.1 FM, WATH, presented by J&K Contracting. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. 
you've got a problem. Your air conditioner is not working. There's a simple fix for that. Well, simple for us. This is Jared with Dean Heating and Cooling, and we're experts at fixing your AC. Together with Tempstar, we've been in business for more than 20 years and have some of the best service techs in the industry. So if you want fast, reliable service, just call us. In fact, if you call today, you could qualify for 12 months no interest financing on a new high-efficiency Tempstar unit. Dean Heating and Cooling, the simple fix. Find us online at deanheatingandcooling.com. What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. Sports Fan right here on 970 97.1 FM WATH. Mills the mic taking up until 7 o'clock today where the Cincinnati Reds will start their program and their broadcast at 8.10. And it'll be the Reds and the Rockies. And, of course, we just heard from Paul Holden. As a, it's always good to hear from Paul. Paul's a good friend and uh, you know, doing well over in Washington, the state of Washington. But uh, the Reds are at 17-17 and 17 this season. The Rockies are at 13-24, and 24, currently in last place in the NL West. The Reds are middle of the pack with St. Louis, Milwaukee ahead of them, and the Cubs and Pirates below them. Uh, coming up tonight, Cincinnati will send to the plate Nick Senzel, Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos, Mike Moustakis, Eugenio Suarez, Tucker Barnhart, Kyle Farmer, Jonathan India, and Luis Castillo. For the Colorado Rockies, it will be Ramiel Tapia, Connor Joe, Charlie Blackman, Ryan McMahon, Josh Fuentes, Dom Nunez, Jonathan Daz, uh, Alan Trejo and uh, Chichi Gonzalez uh, for the starting lineups for both the Reds and the Rockies with Chichi Gonzalez on the mound facing off against, again, Luis Castillo. Castillo at 1-4 with the 6.42 ERA and Chichi Gonzalez 1-1 one one with the 5.97 ERA and 15 strikeouts this season. It's a matchup that should be interesting. Can Castillo figure things out? He is still trying to, again, figure things out. He was an ace for the Reds not too long ago, but since uh, coming back this season, he has not looked uh, quite as such. The bullpen, however, has turned things way around for Cincinnati as the Cincinnati Reds five and a third yesterday. Five and a third yesterday for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, perfect out of their bullpen, which is nice to see from them, and it's uh, nice to see... Uh, you know, again, they they got to get the starting pitching turned around. Of course, it's a big loss with Bauer, uh, you know, not in rotation anymore. But if the Cincinnati Reds, the hitting has been consistent through the first portion of the season. Jesse Winker at 375, Nick Castellanos at 310. Uh, Mustakas's bat's coming alive a little bit. Tucker Barnhart has fallen off a little bit. Senzel batting at 263. But uh, if they are able to maintain their hitting, especially from the two big boppers. Yeah, the Reds could be poised to make a little bit of a run, especially with the turnaround of their bullpen. But we'll see. We'll wait and see what happens on that. Joining us now on the Sports Fan, it's good to hear from Andrew Allison. We haven't heard from him in a long time. And Andrew, how are you? How have you been? I'm good, Connor. How have you been? I can't complain. Now, did you graduate from Ohio, or do you still have another year here? I still got one more year. They can't get rid of me yet. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, so I got to imagine that you'll be doing a couple of the broadcasts in the fall, uh, whether that be for soccer or for uh, field hockey. 
uh, you know, what, what can, what's your involvement kind of going to be for athletics and broadcast moving forward? Well, yeah, you're right with the soccer, field hockey. I haven't gotten too much into it as we just got into summer. But uh, I know that that women's basketball job is open since Brad has graduated, so I'd like to try to gun for that. But a little bit of high hopes right there. Hey, you got to shoot high, right? Somebody's got to call it. And that women's basketball team, they should be pretty good. Actually, I know I don't know much about the field hockey, but I know the soccer team. They they had a bit of a growth year this year, where they re- recoup, had a good graduating class, had a bunch of freshmen coming in, and they still played fairly decent. They still played well, so I expect the soccer team to do some, make some noise in the MAC at least. Yeah, I mean it's it's always good to see when when everybody else is kind of performing as well, not just you know, kind of the big programs, men and women's basketball and, and, and football, but uh, to see the other sports kind of emerge and, and uh, you know, have some success. And, you know, it, it's also worth noting here on the sports fan, even though it really doesn't have anything to do with sports, but it could have sports impact moving forward. But President Dwayne Nellis has decided to step down effective June 30th, and then the university will go on another search for a uh, another university president uh, something that they'd be doing for just, you know, now the uh, the second time in the last ten years. Yeah, and that that actually, like you said, that could have a huge effect on athletics because when you look at, I forget who the girl that came into Ohio State was. She, I think, she was after Gordon Gee's first stint, and she didn't want to do tailgating. Well, if you've ever been up to Columbus for an Ohio State game, you know tailgating is a huge part. And she put in this band to where it was, you can't have alcohol, open alcohol down there. So basically you weren't allowed to have any, but the cops weren't going to write you up or get you in trouble if it was in like the Red Solo Cup. And the boosters were like, okay, that's fine, until the boosters got one of the fines. And then that, they, that girl was fired and that woman was fired and they immediately started looking for a new president. Because she didn't have a focus on athletics. I mean, that was her big thing, was not athletics. And while at OU, I don't know if you can necessarily focus on athletics as much as they do in Columbus, but I think it still has to be an important aspect because, with, especially with what OU is going through right now with a good basketball team on both the men's and women's side and other sports starting to come around as well. Yeah, I mean, you can't, I don't think sports at is, uh, you know, obviously at the level of where Ohio State is. However, you know, it is a Division One program. It is a program that just got an NCAA win last year. Uh, it is a, a program that is on the up and up. And, you know, while it not, might not be to the effect of, you know, if the new president doesn't allow tailgating that they'll be ousted. Um, I, I do think that you know, sports will play a, a prominent role, hopefully, in, in the selection of the new president for the university. And, of course, uh, Julie Cromer has been here and, and navigated uh, through this pandemic. Uh, so you do have the you know, pretty tough job for Julie Cromer now, who will have uh, a, a new president uh, to report to. Um, it's, it's just going to be an interesting dynamic to see where Ohio University goes to next. 
Uh, will there be an emphasis on sports, or is it going to shift more towards academics, or is there going to be some kind of medium happy balance between the two? I don't know, but it, it could be an interesting uh, thing to see within your time here because you still have one more year left, and, and as I uh, watch from a distance now, <laughs> uh, being graduated. So we'll see, but it's uh, pretty big news out of the university today. And credit to Julie Krumer. What, is this her? This was her second year I, as AD. I think it is. Yeah, probably her second year. She was hired. Um, I remember talking to her on the sidelines for Ohio football at the last football game. So I think 2019 um, was when she was hired. So this is about her second year right now. So year year two. Well, part part of year one. And all of year two, she has to deal with COVID. And then now at the end of year two, she's going to be getting a new president. Credit to her for being able to work through this because I, I just, I can't imagine being, and I've had to deal with high school sports all COVID. And our, I know our athletic director had a lot to do at Sheridan. And I can't even imagine what it would be at a collegiate level. Right. I mean, again, uh, a credit to not just Julie Cromer, but everybody within the athletic staff, because you know it took a lot for uh, you know the sports information directors, the coaches, the uh, you know student teachers, everybody. I mean, everybody who were was involved uh, with navigating through. And hopefully, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, as the CDC now said uh, that you know people who are fully vaccinated do not need to wear masks indoors or outdoors and do not have to socially distance. So it seems like the, uh, even though the order, or it's not an order, but the recommendation from the CDC coming down, like there's a light at the end of this tunnel, and there's a lot of work from a lot of people that went into, you know, having sports uh, over the last year, and you got to tip your cap to them as well as everybody else who's been able to, to make it happen. And you talk about that mask mandate getting lifted from the CDC at least. This, if Jay Preston comes back, which I mean, I'd expect he would. I haven't read anything different about him actually getting, considering going compared to just like, oh, hey, you need to work on this at the combine. But if he comes back, can you imagine what the convo would be like this winter when Ohio is supposed to, when they should be as good as they're supposed to be? I got to imagine it'll be rocking and rolling. I mean, I don't know. I, I hope so. I remember when Jeff Bowles was first hired, right? One of his things was to, you know, kind of boost the student engagement with the uh, with the boys' basketball team. And one of the things that they did where they went to the front room, was it front room, front house, coffee house thing? I up think in front a, room. Yeah, front room up in Baker Center, right? He was there, and they gave away free coffee to – uh, first 100 students or whatever. I think right. moving forward, that doesn't have to be a thing. I, I think the play out on the courts kind of says enough without incentivizing. Now, don't get me wrong. If, if you're going to give away free coffee, I'd still take the free coffee. But uh, I don't think you have to in incentivize the students any longer to, uh, you know, to go out to these games. You shouldn't have to because if you're a fan of the sport or if you're a fan of Ohio University – with no mask mandate, no socially distancing, and you know full capacity, I think that the convocation center should see a new life uh, moving forward. And I think it will. I 
I talked about it when, uh, before on this show that when Jeff Bowles was hired, I thought, oh, you had found their man. And it, to this point, it looks like it, they have. I thought, oh, you had found their man. He was going to be here forever. He was an alum. He's a great coach. You know, now maybe if OU has a lot of great success and a big, massive job comes open, okay, maybe he'll leave at that point. But I think they found the man. I think it's not only going to be something we see as long as Jay Preston's here. I think it's going to be something we see as long as Jeff Bowles is here. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too. Um, it seems that the the recruits that Jeff is bringing in, uh, the, the talent and the level that they are playing on the court, ex- you'd like to see it extend into next season, too, and I'm not going to make any too big or bold predictions yet. But with the same team coming back, with that team also being, you know, having the experience winning the Mid-American Conference Championship and also, you know, winning game in the NCAA tournament, I think it's fair to say there are high expectations and I think you're right because if Jeff Balls is still here, even if a couple of the star players move on, you know, outside of this year, um, you know, it, it's I foresee a, a nice future for Ohio bat, uh, Ohio men's basketball uh, as long as Jeff Balls is here and and something that could be sustainable. Yeah, and now the only thing is, is how how does the basketball team respond? this year because they, they sh- they're confident. Uh, I'm assuming they're confident, as they should be. So a, you got to make sure you don't slip up. B, you got to find someone to play you. I don't I don't know if that, I don't think they've released the basketball schedule yet. I would doubt it. But Not I know yet. Jeff Foles tweeted out that they were looking for like a mid-major five opponent. But I, I don't know if they're going to get it because you took Illinois, who was a number one seed for the wire and honestly probably should have beat him. You upset Virginia in round one. Didn't have the best game against Creighton, and it was still close. So who's going to go? What what quality team is going to look at OU and go, man, if we beat them, everyone's just going to go, oh, yeah, you beat Ohio. Congratulations. But if we lose to them, then it's like, oh, wow, you lost to Ohio. I just feel like now for should they be looked at at like that? I don't think so because Ohio's a quality team, but a Power Five conference or a mid-major is going to look at that like that. And it takes a while to become a team like Gonzaga, right? Because Gonzaga has reached the top to where even though they are not in the power uh, in a Power Five conference. Everybody knows that a loss to Gonzaga is not the biggest deal in the world. They are a very talented team, and they went all the way to the NCAA finals this year. Uh, you know, Ohio is not at that level. They're still, I think, viewed as a, a group of five team, and you're right because it's going to be very difficult to try to schedule a couple of these games because you know, no Power 105 wants to lose to Ohio, even though they have the capability of you know, beating a Power 105, uh, Power 5 team, not a Power 105 <laughs> team. <laughs> that's, that's in the back of my head. <laughs> um, but, you know, and when I had uh, the voice of the Bobcats, Russ Eisenstein, on uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Russ and I were talking about it. You know, Jeff Bowles put out that tweet, and it is, you know, the schedule's not finalized yet, and it's not been released yet. Um, but you'd like to see, 
you know, the Bobcats kind of challenge themselves specifically this year because if Preston is still on the team or even if he's not, you know, Mark Sears moves up and, and fills into a pretty prominent role, and he did a nice job, you know, coming off the bench and filling in when Preston was out. Uh, but if Preston is not here, you know, this team is still going to be a very, very good basketball team that is supposed to go all the way uh, to the, the finals, supposed to be going to the championship uh, and, and making some noise in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I'll stop you right there. Yeah. Did you just say when Jay Preston was out of the game? Because I watched quite a few Ohio men's basketball games, and I don't think I ever saw Jay Preston not on the court. Well, he was injured in the beginning of the season. So oh, Sears, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Mark, Mark Sears had to step up and, and, and play that role, and he did do a very good job to the effect where – you know, Russ and I came to an agreement, Russ Eisensteiner, I said, well, you know, Sears was the most valuable player, most valuable rookie, you know, the, um, the rookie of the year candidate. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have put, if I don't have a vote, but if I had a vote, I would have put it towards <laughs> Mark Sears because, again, when a, a team loses a player like Preston and you can put Sears in there without much of a change, I mean, that's a tremendous thing. I mean, that impact on that team specifically was more than what you know, maybe a, a different team had to go through. Um, but, and it, yeah. it's going to take a while to get... I mean, Mark Few has been at Gonzaga for 22 years. So what it most likely is going to come down to... You remember, let's to just make an analogy here, when UCF was good in football and Florida offered them, hey, you play two here and we'll go to... Where are they at? Orlando for one. And UCF was... a Called by it. Oh, you may have to do that in basketball. If if they maintain this pace and then they want to take that next step, they're probably going to have to take some bad deals and play at a big place two times before a team comes here once. And you know that that might has to be uh, negotiated, right? I mean, it, it might be a thing is that um, that Ohio looks at. If they are able to find a a mid major or a high major team uh, that that wants to play them, uh, I hope teams are up for the challenge. I hope that they want to play Ohio because I think this year that they have a very good chance of being good. Um, we'll wait and see. Obviously, yeah, it's a little while. We still have the football season, and we still have to figure out who the the starting quarterback is for Ohio uh, moving forward. But then, you know, basketball is going to be a predominant topic and a predominant thought on everybody's minds uh, as we get closer and closer to the men's basketball season just because of what they did last year. But it, it, sports is always what have you done for me recently, and uh, recently they're pretty good, and I hope that they will be pretty good uh, for the, the foreseeable future. But a lot of, lot of excitement surrounding that team. Uh, I couldn't help but notice... I, I saw you on Snapchat or Instagram, one of those social media platforms, but you were wearing a Cleveland Indians hat. Uh, so I will make the fair assumption and say that you are an Indians fan, are you not? Yeah, I am a uh, all-Cleveland sports fan. So any, any of them up there, that's where I'm at. So I will say, well, first let me, outside of the field of play, for, uh, for the Cleveland Indians, right? Because they just walked it off against the Cubs yesterday. Uh, do they have the off day today? Are they off? I believe so. All right. they, uh, they've got Seattle tonight. They've got the Mariners at 10-10. So, 
So a uh, West Coast late game for uh, for the Indians. Uh, but outside of the field of play for, for the Indians, right? Because they're also going through the process of what the Washington football team now is going through and trying to figure out what a new nickname could be. Do you have a, a pick for the Cleveland baseball team? It's, it's a little um, popular, I guess I'd say, but I, I kind of like some people hate it, but I like the uh, Spiders. It was what the team was called before they became the Indians. The colors would still match up the same fairly. And I mean, I just, I don't know. I've seen the Guardians thrown out there because they have the, on one of the bridges, they have two big pillars with uh, inscriptions, of, or uh, I believe Indians actually on it. But they were going with that. And I, I don't know. I, that feels a little too local to me. Um, don't do anything with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they Cleveland sports overuse that a lot. So my vote would be Spiders. You wouldn't want to see the Cleveland Rocks? No, nope. <laughs> not, a, not a fan of the Rocks. Or There was something else that they were going to call them that had to do with the Rock and Roll, and I was like, hmm, maybe not. The uh, big band Cleveland team. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, make, I'm making stuff up off the top of my head. I don't, but I, I think spiders could be. I think that's a leading leading name that I've I've seen online. Um, yeah. Again, that's another wait and see type of thing. Um, but for the Indians, right? Uh, traded away Francisco Lindor in the off season. You got back a couple of shortstops, and one of the shortstops is playing in center fields, uh, which is interesting. But where do as a uh, as an Indians fan, where do you view the state of your franchise right now? I, I think right now the pitching staff is amazing. The fact that that team has only scored like four more runs—I uh, forget how many times it was—but it, it was some ridiculous number of how many times they scored, a ridiculously low number of how many times they scored four or more runs, and they're still sitting in first in their division or hovering around first in their division is amazing. If this young team, because it is a young team, it is a mismatched team. You mentioned the two shortstops. We got a first baseman in right field. If if this young team can come around, get the bats active, because I believe they got three guys batting below the Mendoza line, which is 200, if for anyone listening that doesn't know what the Mendoza line is, batting below 200, and you're still in this position, they get hot, oh, man, watch out. It's basically, I was listening to you talk about the Reds. It's the inverse. You were talking about the Reds. The pitching's got to get going. The hitting's there. The Indians, it's the pitching's there, and the hitting's got to get going. Yeah, I mean, it's for the Reds specifically, I mean, the hitting's kind of there. It was there in the beginning, but now you got two guys who are really hot, and the rest of the team... Oh, they, they, they've got situational hitting. They, they've been doing a good job with the bats, but it's really the pitching. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the pitching's really, really good for Cleveland. Now it's just trying to figure out, you know, why is there a former shortstop now playing in center fields, even though he's responsible for the two RBIs in yesterday's game? Right, and he, Rosario, I believe, is who you're referring to. Yeah, yeah I'm in Rosario. He, I, I don't know. This team is so frustrating to watch in the field. 
because he had in the game where I believe the Indians got no hit for like the second time in a month, which was a record for like the first time in over a hundred years. He had two key airs that fortunately at, at that point in time, I believe did not cost them, but then go back to the game against the Reds the first time these two teams played and Josh Naylor's at first, he had three ground balls hit to him, two extremely hard, made the easy out. Well, made it look easy. And then the easiest ground ball of them all, he Bill Bucknered, didn't put his glove on, went <laughs> behind the bag, and then the Reds ended up winning. So it's, it's just little things like that where you sit there and go, man, like, yeah, Francisco Lindor is awful at the plate right now, which I have not watched many Mexicans. But I'd imagine he's still playing pretty darn well defensively at short. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lindor's starting. I think he's got a seven-game hitting streak right now. Uh, it took him a while to, to get the really the bats going, but um, yeah, Lindor's been, been putting the ball in play. And, I mean, it, it kind of made me sad to see him go, but would the Mets give him like a $324 million deal or something like that? More. More? Three hundred and forty-one million. Three hundred and forty-one million. Ten years. The Indians were never going to give him anything close to that. I mean, I'm, I'm saying the Indians' offer was not within two hundred million dollars. And he never really—he didn't test free agency, right? Uh, maybe the Indians tried to re-sign him, and I'm not sure if there's been any contract negotiations prior to his departure of Cleveland. Uh, but you know, the, the only reason why the New York Mets have Francisco Lindor is because they have a new owner. The previous ownership would not have, their, their previous high was like $157 million. And I think right that there. was to David Wright. It wasn't even yeah. uh, Jacob deGrom. Their ownership, yeah. He came in, I forget who bought the team, but they came in and they said, listen, we're not going to be cheap. We're in New York. Steve Cohen. This is a massive market. They went all in. They opened the checkbook. And I know the Dolan, there was talk about they made offers to Francisco Lindor. But the Dolans have also came out and said, talking about the Cleveland Dolans, not the New York Dolans, because I guess I didn't think about it. There is Dolans <laughs> in New York. There are. Uh, the ownership said, the first time we'll, we'll sign a $100 million contract is when the Yankees sign a billion-dollar contract. And I was like, okay, so we didn't even offer Francisco Lindor $100 million, and he's getting 341 from the Mets? That's an issue. That's a baseball issue. Right. And, I mean, then you can go to the whole salary cap thing, which I don't think will ever happen because the Players Association of Baseball – probably the strongest union to ever exist in the whole entire world. It is pretty strong. And, but I, I also, I, people say Dolan's cheap, and I mean, I, I, I agree with them in some aspects, but I also think when he's, like in 2016, when the tribe was making their run to the World Series, and then heartbreak, heartbreak happened in uh, Game 7, not that I'm still upset about it, but he opened his checkbook for Andrew Miller. He brought in the franchise player, or not the franchise, the uh, key players to bolster this franchise. And then 
once I think he recognized the window was closing, I think he closed the checkbook. I think he's being selective about it, which you have to do in this market. But he's also got to recognize, I believe Sports Illustrated just put out, he was the fourth richest owner in Major League Baseball. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who all the owners are, but I got to imagine at the top four right now would be probably Yankees, Dodgers, Mets, and uh, if you say he's top four, then then Dolan. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was going off of. I think it was top four. It may have been like top five or six. But going off of their actual, now that, that's net worth. So that's not straight cash, but still. Right, right. Well, we'll see what happens with the Indians. We'll see what happens with the Reds. Um, again, the Reds. Uh, will be on tonight at 8-10, and the uh, Indians will be playing a game 10-10 out in Seattle. Uh, so, again, a late, late-night game. But if uh, anybody remembers the trade that the Mets had to get Edwin Diaz, the closer, uh, you'd remember that they traded away Jared Kalenic, the uh, left fielder for Seattle, and he's batting leadoff. He got the rookie batting leadoff uh, in Major League Baseball. So that, that'll be an interesting game to watch and um yeah just like how francisco lindor leaving kind of hurt you a little bit andrew uh i too would um feel a little bit of pain of jared clinic leaving the match because that was before the new owners got here uh so that's that's oh that's be... right you're a mets fan i was thinking you were with Medora being a uh orioles now i was happy I, listen joey's not here joey's back in baltimore I was going to give him a little bit because uh, the Mets swept the Orioles in a two-game series. I felt a little bit bad because the Orioles had Matt Harvey start. It was the first time he started in City Field since uh, 2016, I think. 2016-17. Yeah, he, he fell off the map. Yeah, I, I feel for Harvey, and he got a standing ovation for everything that he did in New York. And uh, it was a, a nice little tribute there, but... Uh, again, the Mets beat Harvey and the Orioles, so I was, uh, yeah, pretty happy, uh, anticipating that you know I'd be able to talk about it with Joey, but he wasn't here. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, Andrew, uh, it's great talking with you. Great catching up, and uh, we'll see if any of your teams come away with some wins. Uh, I think the Browns are going to be suited for a couple of wins this upcoming football season. Yeah, they're going to be pretty solid. I hope. First time in a long time. You get Browns optimism not only from Browns fans, but a lot of people outside of Cleveland. It's really rare. Someone came up to me like, oh, yeah, I love the Browns. It's like, whoa, we're allowed to admit that in public now? <laughs> yeah, it's something where uh, you no longer have to have the bag over your head. You can say that you're a uh, Cleveland Brown fan and be proud of it. Yep. But anyway, Andrew, we appreciate the, um, you calling in and filling up some time for us and – yeah, we'll, we'll catch up later, all right? All right, talk to you later, Connor. Yep, good to hear from you. And, again, that's Andrew Allison. Uh, you know, helped us out on sports for a couple of things here at the station, and always good to have on the uh, on the sports fan. We'll throw it to another quick break. On the other side, the Athens Bulldogs take on the Circleville Tigers, as that game will happen on Monday. We'll talk about it a little bit more as we get ready to uh, send it to CBS News at the top of the hour. Right now, this is 970-97.1 FM. Sports fan presented by JNK Contracting. Back after this. 
Local folks have been coming to White's Mill for generations, and chances are it's where your great-grandparents had their corn ground into meal or feed. Today, White's Mill has been renovated into the most unique retail space around. You'll find everything from local thrown pottery, Native American jewelry and leather goods, to growing supplies, pet supplies, and all your bird feeding needs. White's Mill, because great service never gets old. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and better yet, 1.5 miles after the Richland Avenue roundabout on 682. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 606 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Havar Incorporated invites the Athens area community to attend the grand opening of the Putt People First Miniature Golf Course on Dairy Lane on May 15th from 12 to 2 p.m. Come and enjoy free food, fun, and prizes in a safe, family-friendly environment. Putt People First provides employment opportunities for people with developmental disabilities, so please come out and enjoy this free event. That's Putt People's First Miniature Golf Course Grand Opening on Saturday, May 15th from 12 to 2 p.m. on Dairy Lane. Flu shots are available now at Fruit Pharmacy. Protect yourself and others from the flu. It's never been easier. Walk in, call ahead, or get a flu shot in the safety and convenience of your own vehicle. Need other items? Don't forget about Fruit's curbside delivery and let Fruit do your shopping. The CDC recommends everyone over six months of age get a flu shot every year with no charge on most insurances. What are you waiting for? Get your flu shot today at your local Fruit, your hometown family pharmacy. Hey, it's Boots. We'll talk old car toys, classic radios, and cars, and comedy. Join us for a lot of fun. That's Auto Smarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Have you experienced foot or ankle pain during or after sports, running, or exercising at the gym? Those nagging aches in your foot or ankle simply won't go away on their own. Podiatric physicians are the most qualified doctors to care for your feet based on their education, training, and experience. Your podiatrist can provide you with important foot care solutions, shoe inserts, and show you how to support your feet and ankles so you're able to compete or exercise comfortably. Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association podiatric physicians are located throughout the state and are dedicated to providing the highest quality foot and ankle care. Ask if your podiatrist is a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association so you know you are being treated by the very best. The Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association has been serving the profession and the public for over 100 years, and we look forward to caring for Ohioans' feet for another 100 years. To find a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association near you, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Now, for more of the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Back inside for the Sports Fan, 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. And we got some short time here left in the program, so why not do a couple of quick hitters? Right now, got the word from Trevor and the OHSAA, but uh, the NFHS 
National Organization for uh, National Federation of High School Sports. Um, the rule change from them would permit a shot clock in high school basketball. Uh, but I'll read you the statement from the OHSAA. They say that they are aware of recent NFHS basketball national rule changes that permits shot clock by state association adaptation and will continue to discuss this option with the board of directors and the leadership of the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association. Factors such as cost, game operations, and officiating all have to be considered, but they look forward to getting feedback from board and coaches. That would be interesting. A shot clock in high school basketball that would raise the scoring, I think. I mean, that's promote more scoring or promote more shots, I guess I should say, because some teams might just not have players who can score. So they'd increase the, the volume of shots on the high school level, and I'm, I'm all for promoting the action. You got a shot clock in high school basketball. You do away with people, you know, just kind of holding on to the ball, dribble, 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 pass, dribble, 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 dribble. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting. I wonder what uh, I'll try to reach out and uh, see if I can get Howie Caldwell's number from from Troy or uh, Mickey Cozart and see. You know, what, what the uh, high school basketball coaches think about this, and we'll, we'll talk about it more on the sports fan tomorrow, uh, as that's just news coming at us today. Uh, so we'll, we'll break that down for the hour show tomorrow. Um, who knows? I think it could be a good thing, but it would change the coaching philosophies of a lot of people in the area should they put a shot clock on high school basketball. We'll see. Uh, coming up again on Monday, it will be Athens taking on the Circleville Tigers. That's in baseball, and uh, that game will start at around 5 o'clock. Coming up tonight on 970 WATH, it will be the Cincinnati Reds taking on the Colorado Rockies. A big thanks to Paul Holden and Andrew Allison joining in on the program. And, of course, for everybody out there listening, I'm Connor Mills signing off, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Seventy-first year of service to Southeast Ohio. AM nine seventy and ninety-seven point one FM. W A T H.